David, I'm the pastor here at Stonebridge. If you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 6. We've been walking through uh, 1 Corinthians a little bit at a time. Past few weeks, we've been looking at um, some issues that Paul is addressing. Uh, some folks have come to him and said there's some things that are going sideways in the church. Some specific instances, we've got a guy sleeping with his stepmom, and the church is fine with that. They're actually celebrating it. Because of his freedom, we've got people suing one another. Today we're going to look at, we've got men visiting prostitutes and everybody thinks it's okay. And it's easy for us sometimes to say, well, I don't struggle with any of those things, me and you and your stepmom, or you're not suing anybody and, you know, you don't visit prostitutes. It's kind of to gloss over and say, well, there's not a lot there for me. But there's actually a thread that's underneath all of that. What Paul's trying to get these guys to realize is they're new creations, and they need to live accordingly. Yes, they've been filled with the Spirit, so live like it. Yes, you're following Jesus, so live like it. You're holy, so live like it. One of our core values here at Stonebridge is, comes from Romans 8.29 that says God has uh, predestined us to be conformed into the image of Jesus. And kind of our commitment to one another is as long as you're here, we're going to do everything that we can to help one another become as much like Jesus as possible before we die. And part of that is recognizing who we are in him and then living out of that. In John 13, 4, before Jesus washes his disciples' feet, there's this identity statement. It says, Jesus, knowing that his time was at hand and that the Father had given everything to him and had placed everything under his feet and knew where he had come from and knew where he was going, therefore, he, or it says, so. So he took a towel, wrapped it around his waist, and washed the disciples' feet. There's this sense of he was able to do what he was able to do because he was so secure in his relationship with God. And that's kind of what we're trying to get at here with 1 Corinthians. As we move forward, there's lots of specific instances that are going to be discussed. Next week is on marriage, and there's some stuff about communion and how long your hair should be and whether you should wear a hat and uh, tongues and spiritual gifts, all these things. And you may think that it doesn't connect with where I am. I'm not struggling with that particular issue. And what I want to, again, encourage you with underneath is what Paul's trying to get the Corinthians is be who you are. Recognize who you are in the Lord and live accordingly. Again, as we're conformed into the image of Jesus, that's part of that process is really having our roots deep in our identity. There's kind of two choices for us. God is going to do the work that he is going to do. It's just how... Uh, cooperative we're going to be. Scott, can we see that picture? So you can either be clay like that on the left, or you can be a block of granite on the right. If you're clay and God can shape you with his hands, then he will, much more pleasant. If you're a block of granite, he's still going to shape you. He's just going to use a hammer and a chisel, and it's not nearly as pleasant for you. The process, he's going to do what he is going to do. If you said, hey, I'm, I'm in, I'm on the team, I'm following Jesus, then God has said, all right, this is the, this is the program. I'm going to make you look as much like my son as possible. And what we want to do is be as cooperative as we can so God can use his hands. In the places where we're stubborn, it's not that he's going to quit. He just has to use different tools. So the things that we're talking about, again, my encouragement to you is just to ask God to give you a heart that's soft. If there are areas where you need to shift or change or add or delete, okay, just be receptive to him speaking to you in those areas. And again, it's, it's a much smoother process than if you're resistant or you're stubborn. 
1 Corinthians 6, starting in 12. Everything is permissible for me. Your Bible probably has that in quotes. That's a Corinthian slogan. That's what they said to him. He's quoting it back to them. Everything is permissible permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial or helpful or advantageous. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. I won't uh, put myself under the authority of anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food. Another Corinthian slogan, they were paralleling that, saying sex for the body and the body for sex. But God will destroy them all. That's what Paul says, or God will destroy them both. He's speaking of your resurrection body. We will no longer need to eat for fuel. You, you, you won't get tired. You won't wear down. You won't need food at that point. So that's what Paul is talking about. He's going to get rid of your food, both of those things, food and stomachs. So you're not going to need that stuff anymore. He's not saying they're bad. He's saying y'all are taking kind of old person logic and applying it to new person. That doesn't work. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. That's any sexual behavior outside the bounds of a husband and a wife, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise you also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with the prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with the prostitute is one with her in body? Why is that true? For it is said, because it is said, the two will become one flesh. A sexual relationship makes two one. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. That's not run like a coward. That's escape to safety from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body or therefore enhance God's reputation with your body or therefore cause others to think highly of God with your body. That's what it means to honor. Pretty straightforward there. I don't think any of you probably came here today and are enlightened that God is not big on men visiting prostitutes. It's not, it's, no, if that's an area where you struggle, stop doing that. Seriously, stop. The, kind of the flow of the argument here, the Corinthians are saying everything is fine for us. We can do whatever we want. Most people think Paul is the one who actually said that first, either in the letter that he wrote that we've lost or when he was there establishing the church that he said to them, guys, everything is permissible for you. You're free in Christ. Jesus has set you free from bondage to sin, to self, to the law. You're free. It's all, it's wide open spaces for you to run in. And so they've grabbed onto that, everything is permissible for me, and uh, kind of made it their own. They've co-opted that slogan, they've made it their own, and they're saying because of that, because we're free in Christ, because everything is permissible to us, because we live in this age of grace, we can do whatever we want to. And what we do with our bodies, it doesn't affect our hearts. It doesn't affect our spirits. We know we're spirit-filled people. The Holy Spirit lives within us. If you've been to one of our worship services and we have people speaking in tongues and prophesying and doing all of these spiritual things that let us know that we're okay so I can do whatever I want with my body with no adverse effects. And what Paul counters, he says, no, no, not at all. You're, you're missing the point. Yes, everything is permissible for you, but not everything is helpful. Yes, everything is permissible for you, but you don't want to put yourself under the authority of anything, and your body is not even yours. It's the Lord's. He 
He bought it. He redeemed it. He didn't just redeem your heart. He redeemed all of you. It's his. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's an identity statement. Therefore, your behavior needs to reflect that identity. You're not your own. You're his. So he has a say-so in what you've done. So the verdict is it's incompatible for someone who's united, who's joined with Jesus, to also be united or joined with a prostitute. You can't have it both ways. Those two things don't connect together. Again, that's not news for any of you. I would say for us, where I want us to spend our time this morning is this last few words. Therefore, honor God with your body. It's tricky. I've been thinking about this all week and trying to figure out how to approach it. If I asked you, if I had, gave you a note card and said, write down, what does it mean to honor God with your body? It's pretty tough to come up with what exactly does that mean? Does that mean I exercise and I eat right? Does it mean I don't get a tattoo? Does it mean, you know, is it just saying, okay, no sexual immorality? Like, what are the, what are the lines there? No smoking or drinking or just drinking a little bit? Or how does all that work? What does it look like for me to honor God with my body? What does it look like for you to do the same? And I want to say from the beginning, I want to agree here with what Paul's trying to do. If you notice, he doesn't say to them, you're wrong. When they say everything is permissible for, for me, he doesn't say, no, it's not. He, never, he doesn't say you're wrong. He takes a different approach to get them to modify their behavior. So we're going to talk, and I'm going to try to talk specifically for the sake of being helpful, but I don't want you to hear me giving you rules. That's not what I'm doing. Not helpful to fall into legalism. We've been set free from the law of sin and death. We've been set, there, there are no rules for us. Everything is permissible. We're free in Christ. Jesus very clearly says that. He who, knows, uh, this, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. We'll know the truth about him and we will be free. Again, we're freed from this law of sin and death. The easiest thing to do is for me to give you a list of rules that you can follow. That would be helpful. The reason this stuff is tricky is because there's not a list of rules for us to follow. We're free in Christ, and so we need to figure out what does it look like to be free in Christ and to honor God with our bodies at the same time. I think what happens is there's kind of this continuum that you can place yourself on, and your continuum might look different from mine. So on one end, you've got dishonoring God. And that's kind of a clear thing. And we might agree, all right, sexual immorality, that fits. There's no way you can create a scenario where engaging in sexual immorality is going to honor God with your body. That does not enhance his reputation. And maybe you put hard drugs or something like that on that end. And then way on the other end, you've got honoring your body, not really a whole a lot of concern about the Lord. I actually think that's a really big ditch in the society that we live in. Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. But some of us spend more time worshiping the temple than the God who lives within it. And so there's this image obsession. And again, we all recognize that shallow and superficial. And so there's this tendency in us to say, you know what, that's not me. But again, for most of us, I would say that's a, that's a constant battle. And then you've got this murky middle where you're honoring, are you honoring God with your body? Again, there's not rules. Again, you've if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives within you. You need to be led by the Spirit. You don't want to be driven by anything. We don't want to step back into bondage to a bunch of rules and regulations. And so you've got this continuum. I, over on one end, I put marijuana and cigarettes. I talked to a lot of guys or several guys who uh, smoke marijuana. And I don't know if there's like this is the pamphlet they give you at the marijuana store, but they have this reason. They have some reasoning behind it. 
you know, God, it, it's natural. It grows, it's organic, so it's good for you. It's, it's becoming legalized in a lot of places, so it's going to be fine. It's got benefits, and, you know, kind of my response is abortion is legal as well. That doesn't mean you should do it. And poison ivy grows, and that doesn't mean you should smoke it. I mean, just because there's stuff growing, and you may, I don't know where you are. You might have a rationale. Cigarettes. The Bible doesn't say thou shalt not smoke cigarettes. And we can say, you know, it's bad for you. Look what it does to your lungs. And you can say breathing the air out there is just as bad as smoking cigarettes. You know, we can, there's kind of that. And then you've got tattoos, of course, with Christian symbols that you use. And that, I I think, is probably more of a generational issue more than anything else. But Leviticus 19.28 very clearly says, no tattoos. Don't put a tattoo on your body. And that's there. Leviticus 19.27 says, don't cut this part of your hair and don't clip the edges of your beard. So the guy who tells you not to get a tattoo, you can ask him about his hair and his beard and see, you know, we, we pick and choose on those things. And again, that's, where does that fit? Is that honoring God with your body to get a tattoo? Eating healthy, I put that in quotes because we all define healthy different. My perspective is chicken is best served fried, macaroni and cheese is a vegetable, and to order sweet tea is redundant. You don't have to repeat yourself. So that's me. Some of y'all are different. You, you know, you're vegan or you're vegetarian or you do glycemic index and find good carbs and evil carbs and only eat the good ones or lots of protein or no car- all of that. And we can kind of, again, it's in quotes because that's such an individual thing. What does it mean to eat healthy? And then again, you move all the way over to image obsessed. And if, I, if you were up here and you were walking through it, yours would probably be different from mine. You'd have different marks along the way. And what most of us do is we draw the line so that we're okay. That's just human nature. Whatever's okay, that's the stuff that I'm doing. Whatever's not okay, those are the things I don't want to do anyway. So it's fine for those to be not okay. So I can say no tattoos because I'm never going to get one. That has no effect on me at all. Don't ask me, don't say fried food. That does affect me. So I'm going to say I'm free to do what I want. In those, we draw those lines so that we're okay. It could be a tricky thing for us. And again, this whole idea we are free in Christ. And so sometimes we can fall back to a rules-based system because it's safer. And it can make us feel a little more comfortable. And everybody in here agrees to this list of things that we're going to do. That's not what Paul did, and that's not what we want to do. We want to trust one another, and more than that, trust the Holy Spirit within us to lead us to recognize that we have freedom. And he says to the Galatians at one point, who's bewitched you? Have be- you've begun in the Spirit. Are you now trying to finish this in your flesh? What I would say is you, it, you have all this freedom that God has given you. Are you now going to bind yourself to a bunch of rules? Let's not do that. In uh, Galatians 1, Paul says it's for freedom that we've been set free. And, but and then in Galatians 5.13, he says, don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. So there's this, there's this uh, truth that our freedom is very expansive. But it's, I want to say it's not absolute in the sense that it's tethered to something. Our freedom is tethered by love. Paul says in Galatians 5.6, the only thing that counts, the only thing that counts, is faith expressing itself in love. That's it. Jesus put it this way. There's only two commandments that matter. Love God and love people. What Paul says is, is it beneficial? That is, 
towards others? That's loving other people. Is it useful to them? Is this profitable for them? Is this helpful and advantageous for them? If the answer is yes, great, then you're loving other people. If the answer is no, you need to look at whether you should or should not be doing that activity with your body. The second thing Jesus, or the most important thing Jesus said is loving him. And what Paul says is I don't want to be mastered by anything. I don't want anything to have authority over me. If Jesus is my primary allegiance, if, I have, if I'm mastered by anything else, then that is going to trump him. That's what I would say to the, for me, that's kind of where cigarettes and all of that stuff plays in, is if you're addicted to something, then something has mastery over you. I can quit anytime I want. Then quit. Show me that that thing does not have mastery, whatever it is, over you. If it's a good thing, exercise, or something that we would consider a negative thing, like nicotine, if it has mastery over you, then Jesus, you're not loving him first and most because you have this other thing that's calling the shots. So we are, we're free. You are free. But your freedom is tethered by love. Love for God and love for other people. You can ask yourself, is this, whatever this is, this decision, this choice, this habit, is this an expression of trusting God, that's faith, demonstrating itself in love, doing what's best for somebody else, regardless of the cost to me. If the answer to that is yes, then you proceed, you plow ahead without having to worry about the rules or not because you're acting, you're being led by the Spirit, you're doing what the Bible says you should do. So that's one point for us, one piece, is we're free. Another piece is our freedom is tethered by love. Another piece as you're trying to figure out what does it look like to honor God with your body, is to recognize your body is not yours. You didn't make it. Psalm 139, God formed us. He knit us together in our mother's womb. And when we quote that verse, we're, all, we're usually thinking of our insides, of our heart, our personality, our likes and dislikes. And that's 100% true. But he also gave you your body. He gave you your metabolism. He gave you your height. All of those things, that's, that's him. At some point for us, we need to ask ourselves, am I so, am I disrespecting God and what he's given me because of the way I view and or treat my body? Is it disrespectful to him because I'm so disdaining what he's given to me? Am I at the risk of coveting, which is a sin, what he's given someone else? Do I covet Brian Tucker's full head of hair? That's not good. I can go by Rogaine. I can live with what I've got. Those are my choices. If one of those is driven by vanity, it's an awful taskmaster. Vanity is never satisfied. We've got to ask ourselves those types of questions. Am I so disdainful when I look in the mirror am I so upset so disgusted even some of you are disgusted by what you see at what point is that disrespectful to God who's given you your body no guilt there it's a question for you to ask stereotype girls don't ask your husband if the dress makes you look fat ask God if he thinks you're fat if he says you're fat then lose weight if he doesn't then stop asking the question Seriously, stop asking the question. Ask him what he thinks. I've never struggled with an eating disorder. I have struggled with shame. And I know the walk from 
there to hear can be long when you feel like people are looking at you. In a room this size, guaranteed, three to five people, most likely women, stereotype, most likely women, have struggled with an eating disorder. And you need to know this morning, you can be freed from that. You don't have to live in that bondage any longer. Jesus died to set you free. If when you look in the mirror, you hate it, that is not God. It's the enemy. And he's gotten into your mind and he's twisted things. And Jesus died to deliver you from that. Again, it's a long walk from there to here. Especially if you think, oh, I know what they're thinking about me. As someone who's lived with shame for some stretch of time, the freedom you'll feel after far outweighs the shame you'll feel during. You can be free today. It's not your body. He's given it to you. Enjoy, celebrate, thank him for what he's given. Last thing, what you do with your body matters. Romans 12.1 says this, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. I read a quote about this verse and says, it's concerned with the use of our bodies as characterized by conscious, intelligent, consecrated devotion to God. It's not just a negative, what it means to honor God with our bodies, what I have to avoid. There is this idea, okay, flee, escape to safety from sexual immorality or whatever these sinful thought and behavior patterns are. I want to avoid those. But there's also a positive of what it means to honor God with your body. And I would say put more weight, put more focus, put more time there. What are you doing with what he's given to you? Are you honoring him? Are you enhancing his reputation with what you're doing with this thing? Serving others, usually a physical act. That's a way of honoring God with your body. Worship. Worship is a matter of spirit and truth. It's internal. Read Psalms. There's almost always an external expression of that. You can honor God with your body. You can enhance his reputation by the way you worship. Enjoying what God has given to you. Whatever that is, can you enjoy? Are you too busy counting points to enjoy what God has given to you? Are you too obsessed with how much you have to burn or how much you've lost or how much you need to lose or how strong or weak or whatever the thing is? Are you too concerned with that to enjoy the good gifts that God has given to you? You don't want to fall over into the ditch of gluttony for sure and that has nothing to do with weight by the way you can be a glutton and have a high metabolism to be thin as a rail that's that's the issue is not size on that it's your attitude towards food i read this book if my body is a temple then i was a mega church it was uh it's written by a guy it took a minute it's written by a guy here local he's some type of a christian uh evangelist humorist person And what intrigued me about it was the back cover. He makes a very strong connection between heart and body that I appreciated. And most diet things that you read, it's it's strictly, it's it's a numbers game. Just you got to expend more than you bring in and everything's going to be okay. For him, that's not the direction that he took at all. He approaches this. He used quick quick weight loss centers of Atlanta. That was the thing that he used, which I don't know anything about that, and he did lose a ton of weight, but for him it was a spiritual crisis point that he had with the Lord where he recognized, 
this is, this is not good. What I'm doing with this is not honoring God. I'm not enhancing his reputation at all. I stand on a stage however many nights a year and try to tell people about this love of God and that he accepts you and he loves you. He's got all these things for you. And I'm out of breath when I, by the time I walk up the steps. And he was putting these pieces together and he recognized what was going on in his own heart. Pretty good deal. If you struggle maybe with, the, with food and all of that and your relationship to food, I'd encourage you maybe to pick it up. I can, you can Google it. There's probably not any other books called that. The guy's name is Scott Davis is the author. That's over here. I would say for, we want to be able to enjoy what God has given to us. The, in the Bible, food is not fuel. It's the medium a lot of times for relationship. It's a symbol of celebration. Again, we don't want to be overindulgent. That's just as much as a sin as you know, being too strict with ourselves. But there's a pretty wide road in there where we can enjoy what God has given us. If you read through the New Testament, there's two ditches that just about every congregation Paul talks to falls into one of these two. Kind of the fancy words. On one side, it's called antinomianism. There is no law. That's the Corinthians. It's all grace. We can do whatever we want. Our bodies don't matter. Our choices don't matter. Forgiveness instead of permission. We live over here. And then the other ditch, it's the Galatians, if you want an uh, example of that. It's called asceticism, A-S-C-E-T-I-C-I-S-M. It's very strict in terms of their um, behavior. We're going to fast, and this day is holier than this day. And, you know, actually there were some people in, in Corinth, we'll talk about them next week, who fell under this umbrella and said, you know, we're not even going to have relationships, husband and wife, because we're so holy and we're, we've moved on to this other spiritual plane. And we can fall into either of those two ditches uh, of either saying, Nothing that I do in my body matters, and it's I'm a spirit person over here, and I'm kind of a overindulgent with myself. Or we can fall over here, and I think more of us probably fall over here. We're too strict, too tight, too rigid. We've added a bunch of rules. There's no freedom for us in terms of enjoying what God has given to us, and really thinking about can I, how can I honor Him today with my body. I exercise three or four times a week. I know that's obvious by looking at me that I do that. I don't think I honor God with my body by doing X number of push-ups. Like, that's fine to be healthy. I don't think I can say, yes, I honor God today because I put my time in at health place. I think what he's looking at is something different from me and for me, and the same thing for you. I don't want to give you any rules. I just want to Remember, you're free in Christ, totally free, 100%. Your freedom is tethered by love, love for him and love for others. So when you're, when you're deciding whatever it is that you're deciding to do with what God has given you, ask yourself, is this an expression of, is this faith expressing itself in love for others? Your body is not yours, so stop hating it. Stop. He's given it to you. Celebrate what he's given you. And last, what you do with your body actually makes a difference for good and for bad. And we want to focus on the good. Doing good with your body actually makes a difference for your heart as well. We do live from the inside out. But what we do with our outsides, it affects our insides. And if you'll make a point to say, with this thing that God has given me, I'm going to serve, I'm going to worship, I'm going to enjoy. 
it will change your heart and your attitude about what he's given you as well. Let's pray. I was looking around. Some of y'all were staring at your feet the whole time. You don't need to feel any guilt. And you don't need to feel any condemnation. That's not coming from me. And that's not coming from the Lord. You are beautiful. It's part of your identity in Christ. You make a choice today to live out of that reality. That you're beautiful. God, I pray for those sitting here today who struggle with, even to the point of self-loathing, that you would come in your strong and gentle way and you would set them free. Free to enjoy who you've created them to be. Free to enjoy the body that you have given them free to honor you with their bodies, to not obsess about it any longer, but to see it as an instrument to enhance your reputation. God, for some, these are thought and behavior patterns that have been ingrained for 10 and 12 and 15 years. They've heard the same lies for so long, they think it's true, and God, would you break into that? Would you speak clearly today? First John says Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and God, we're asking you to do that in our hearts and in our minds today that you would destroy the strongholds that the devil has erected. That we would live out of the truth of who we are in you, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made that you've formed us and that you knit us together. That you've numbered the hairs on our heads and even if some of them are falling out, you still have the rest of them numbered. You've got all of that taken care of. God, that we would know the truth of being led by your Spirit and not being driven by vanity or self-consciousness trying to recapture 17 or 18 years old. And God, there be joy in our hearts that we would take these bodies that you've given us, and God, in one sense, we would use them up. That we would regularly, daily pour ourselves out as a living sacrifice, saying, here I am, whatever you want from me today, whatever I can do, I'm in. I'm in to serve, to worship, to enjoy. Again, Lord, I pray for all of us that as we walk out, it would be knowing the freedom that we have in you. Freedom tethered by love, but the freedom that we have in you. And maybe that's just the question for you to ask this morning is, am I free 
or am I bound? Am I bound to a scale? Am I bound to a workout regimen? Am I bound to an image that I've created in my own head or that I've seen on TV? Am I bound or am I free in Christ? God, we want to know the freedom that you bring. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close with worship. I encourage you guys to stand. We'll have ministry teams up in the front. Love to pray with you all about anything that's going on in your heart. And Bo will dismiss us when we're done. Uh, actually.